A reading from the Older Testament, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. A reading from the Newer Testament, Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3 and 12 to 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Thanks be to God for these readings from his own holy word. Christian discipleship is a race, says the unknown author of the book of Hebrews. It's a race of a peculiar sort. Specifically, it's a relay race. Some runners have run before us, other runners are going to run after us. Those who have run before us, however, haven't disappeared from the course. Having finished their leg of the race, they have gathered at the finish line where they can cheer on us who are still running. Those who have already finished the race are what the book of Hebrews calls the great cloud of witnesses. The great cloud of witnesses, of course, consists of the dead in Christ who are now alive with him and exalted in him. We who are running now are surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses. They are encouraging us moment by moment, telling us that any difficulty and all difficulties can be surmounted and must be surmounted if we are to join them one day at the finish line. Think of the great cloud. Abel, for instance. Abel kept running despite lethal harassment from a hostile brother. Joseph. He kept running despite wicked slander against him and repeated attempts to seduce him. Moses, he kept running despite the opposition of neighbors who wouldn't have known God from a gopher. And of course, the person in the great cloud of witnesses is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Hebrews speaks of him as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We who are running now are to keep our eye on him above all. He didn't merely run one leg of the relay race. He rather forged the whole race ahead of us and now summons us to keep on running with our eye ever looking to him. We are not simply told to run. We are told to run with perseverance, steadfastness. Plainly nothing, simply nothing must be allowed to inhibit or obstruct our perseverance. 
then what is it to run with perseverance? What is it to run with steadfastness? In the first place, we must keep on running regardless of detractors. My family left Winnipeg in 1950. Many of you are aware that I was born in Edmonton. We moved to Winnipeg in 1949. My father had a disastrous downturn with the Canada Trust there, and we were moved off to Toronto. We left Winnipeg in 1950. Three months later, the Red River flooded. Soon the streets of downtown Winnipeg were under five feet of water. Note, we're not talking here about five feet of water in someone's basement. We're talking about five feet of water above the city sidewalk. Southern Manitoba has flooded episodically ever since the passing of the Ice Age. When Mr. Duff Roblin was Premier of Manitoba several decades ago, he legislated the construction of a huge floodway along one side of Winnipeg, a floodway that carries off the overflow from the two rivers, the Red and the Assiniboine, that rise dangerously every spring. The floodway cost $58 million. For this public expenditure, Duff Roblin was pilloried in the Manitoba legislature. His political opponents ate him alive, all the while ridiculing his project as Duff's Ditch. It so happens that Duff's Ditch is going to spare Winnipeg from the flood when next the flood inundates everything else around the city. It so happens that Duff's Ditch has already spared the city of Winnipeg colossal damage on at least 10 occasions. It so happens that Duff's Ditch has already saved the city scores of billions of dollars. Roblin paid a very high price for his perseverance. No matter, he stands vindicated now. And in the race of discipleship, to run with perseverance means that you and I are going to keep on running regardless of detractors. In the second place, to run with perseverance means we shall keep on running regardless of distractions. We must run single-mindedly, run with a focus, a concentration, a determination that is aware only of the matter at hand. We must run with an intensity that unfailingly announces our steadfastness. I am gripped, moved, whenever I see a single-minded intensity that sheds distractions. Recently, I saw Itzhak Perlman, one of the world's finest violinists, playing a pop concert. He was playing the music from Schindler's List. He had already played the music when the soundtrack was made for the film. Now he was playing the music, same music, once again before a live audience. The audience was relaxed, comfortable, cool. Perlman, however, the perspiration came off him in sheets. Playing music associated with the Holocaust, the Shoah, plainly strained the Jewish violinist extraordinarily. Still, he matched the strain with his own strenuousness and kept on playing as only Perlman can play, sweat-soaked, while the concert-goers coolly enjoyed the music. Regardless of what it was costing him, Perlman wasn't going to spare himself. Neither was he going to let anything distract him. In his single-minded concentration, he wasn't even aware of would-be distractions. How different it was with the woman in the relay race during a recent Olympic Games. She was running her leg of the race, baton in hand, when a mean-spirited opponent elbowed her in the ribs, jabbed. In pain now and momentarily breathless, she lost it. Angrily, 
petulantly, understandably to be sure, yet foolishly nonetheless, she threw her baton at the woman who had fouled her. When she threw her baton, she threw away the race. She disqualified herself. Worse, she disqualified her entire team. Horrified, she grasped instantly what she had done, and she stopped running. Now, in the course of life, we do get fouled. We get jabbed. More than jabbed, we get clobbered. We get clobbered in the world in our day-to-day -day existence. And more to the point, my friends, we get clobbered in the church. We get victimized in a dozen different ways. The one thing we must never, ever do is to allow our manifold victimizations to distract us. We must never allow them to distract us so that we lose our focus, lose our single-mindedness, our horizon-filling dedication to the one task at hand. We must never allow our manifold victimizations to move us into that space where we throw it all away with the result that the only thing left is to stop running. To run with perseverance is to keep on running regardless of distractions. In the third place, to run with perseverance steadfastly is to, me, is to mean that we're going to run, keep on running patiently. The race of Christian life isn't a sprint that ends in 9.32 seconds. It's a long race. It's a lifelong race. We have to run patiently. Before the dismantling of the Berlin Wall in 1989, that is, before the dissolution of the Soviet Union, when the USSR was still a totalitarian tormentor, in those days, one of the USSR's military heroes was denounced publicly. Colonel Lev Officer had been a flyer in the Soviet Air Force in World War II. He had distinguished himself in the Battle of Stalingrad, that great turning point in the war. He was an Air Force hero, and his name and his photograph were featured in a book depicting the Battle of Stalingrad and his place in it. In a subsequent edition of the book, his name and photograph had been removed. His rank, Colonel, had been reduced to private, and his Air Force pension had been canceled. What on earth had he done to bring this on himself? In 1967, Colonel Officer had asked the Soviet government for permission to immigrate to Israel. Permission was denied. Meanwhile, a Baptist Christian had given him a Bible. Officer had grown up in communist Russia where Bibles were illegal, and he had grown up thoroughly secularized. In 1977, 10 years later, he was still denied permission to emigrate. For 10 years, he had read the Bible that the Christian missionary had given him, and in those 10 years, he had learned the history of his peoples, that is, the history of the Jewish people's frustrations in the biblical era alone. The KGB, that is the Soviet secret police, told him that if he withdrew his application to emigrate, his Air Force pension would be restored. Officer told the KGB that if he had to choose between pension and honor, there was no choice. He would never besmirch his honor for the sake of a pension. The KGB told him he might as well give up. You've already waited 10 years, they said. Wrong, said Officer, you're wrong. I haven't waited 10 years. 
I have waited 2,000 years, and I can wait a few more. To run with perseverance is always to run patiently. Important as it is to run regardless of detractors, run regardless of distractions, run patiently, it isn't enough. It's never enough. In the fourth place, we must also run so as to finish. Another Olympic Games, this time in Mexico City, 1968. It was the marathon race, 26 miles, 385 yards. The first place runner crossed the finish line, then the second place runner, and the third, and so on. As the last runner, it would seem, staggered in. The spectators and camera crews noticed an ambulance with lights flashing several hundred yards up the course. The flashing lights warned the crowds not to surge onto the track as the race wasn't over yet. One runner remained on the track. This fellow had come from a developing country in the two-thirds world. His nation had no funds for state-sponsored training programs. The people had simply sent him off with whatever encouragement the people could press upon him. Now he was running with men whose economic privilege gave them enormous athletic advantage. This fellow, ambulance alongside him, would stagger a few feet and fall on his face. Get up and stagger a few more feet and go down again, over and over until he had traversed the last few hundred yards. When asked why he had persevered at such a price, he replied, My people didn't send me here to win. They knew I had no chance of winning. My people didn't even send me here to compete. They knew I couldn't compete. My people sent me here to finish. It's only as we finish. Who cares if we get to our goal with our knees scraped and our elbows skinned? It's only as we finish that we're ever going to be admitted to the great cloud of witnesses in the company of our Lord. For he, Christ Jesus, has blazed the path to the finish line for us. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Throughout his earthly life, he remained undeflectable and undeterrable. Then, when it seemed that however resolute he might be, someone else, the evil one, might deflect him and deter him in the final showdown between living God and lethal opponent, at that moment, God raised his son from the dead and installed him as the one who guarantees the homecoming of his people. Jesus Christ, the victorious one, has already run before us as the pioneer of our faith adventure. He is at this moment running alongside us as our companion throughout the adventure. He is ahead of us, urging us to keep our eyes fixed on him as we ever move towards him. Behind us, alongside us, ahead of us, our Lord is all of this at the same time. As you and I finish, we are going to run into welcoming arms that hold us fast eternally. And our arrival home will delight our Lord. It will glorify his Father. And it will exalt us, his people of whom he will never be ashamed. Amen. Would you stand, please?
It is the prophet of Isaiah, prophet promise of Isaiah, O Lord, that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary, walk and never faint. You have appointed us to run the race in the company of the great cloud of witnesses, ever looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Grant unto us this day such steadfastness in our looking to him, and such determination and resolve in the course of our running, nothing will distract us, nothing will deter us, nothing will discourage us. Keep us ever looking to him until we hear him say to us, well done, enter into the joy of me and my people. And now we pray that his blessing may ever accompany us, surround us, and precede us this day and every day. Amen.